The recording has started. The recording has started. Well, hello, Easton. Uh, well, hello, Cole. <laughs> Cole is so proper. Yeah. So what we got going? Uh, episode 20. 20? That's a pretty big number. That is a big number. Cool. We made it through the teens into the 20. We haven't stopped yet. We're not going to stop. Uh, I did want to ask the audience, if you have been with us the whole time, or at least have listened to or watched every episode, let us know below. Throw in the comments. Kind of curious how many people we have that have actually been here for all 20. It's not a lot, but it's also not like a small amount. It's enough to know. get through a long road trip with. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. 20, anywhere from an hour to hour and a half. Dude, that's like a day. That is like a day. So what are we talking <laughs> about today? Today. What's going well, on today? We've got a guest coming on, I think. How come um, we always think? We always come through. Well, I mean, there could... So I only say that because there could be technical issues or difficulties, I think is the correct term there. No, we do have a guest. Yeah, 100%. Guest coming on. And uh, we're going to go over some late motorcycle news. Technically, we I think we needed to discuss MotoGP from England a little bit. But eh, if we get there, we get there. If not, sorry. We'll cover it next week. You just with... want to talk about how your picks were better than mine. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. You want to get the guest on here? Yeah. Cover up uh, some, some Moto America and some uh, USBA. All right. I like it. Go. Yesterday at one point, I was in six. Look at that special it's guest. Jack, it's Jack Miller. Haven't you always wanted Jack Miller on your podcast? We've got, we got Jack true. Miller. Yeah, I'm putting that this, in the title. That's what I'm saying. This is going to be great for you guys. Everybody's going to be like, what the fuck? And then I'm going to be like, hey, let me introduce you to Jack Miller. Yeah. Oh, that's happening. Man. All he's, right. being a fe- he's being a feisty little shit right now, so he had to come out. Say hi. Easton's drinking out of a mom mug. Oh, is he that? Mug. Well, it's the, I, I went to Walmart one time. This is like years ago. And I was like, I need a big mug because I want to drink a lot of coffee. Right. And the biggest mug they had happened to say mom on it. It was like that or some like stupid palm tree. Gay bullshit. I, I would have anyway. went with the palm tree, honestly. <laughs> I'm a great mom. Mr. Mom. Mr. Yeah. Mom. Nope. Where are we going to start today? You might as well start where you already started. Why don't you introduce your guest? Who, me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh wait, we got to so... introduce you. You're the guest. You, welcome back. Are we rolling? Are we rolling? Are we've we been, live? We've been it's rolling, been recording yeah. the whole time. Oh, God. You guys always do this to me. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't say anything stupid this time. So, yeah, totally. You guys have always wanted Jack Miller on your show, right? Like Jack Miller, the greatest MotoGP rider of the current day personality and uh my personal favorite so i brought jack miller along with me my personal friend meet jack miller look at the cute little guy where's his bike uh right there (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he's an australian carpet python so naturally his name is jack miller all right, all right. I'll give you that. Australian. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, Jack yeah, Miller's yeah. on the podcast. Also, Anthony Lugnut, Norton, whatever. Nobody cares about that. Nobody bump. cares about that when you get Jack <laughs> <Yeah>. Miller. So, <laughs> Jack Miller still on the show. 
I like Thanks it. for having me and Jack on board tonight, guys. He's uh, he's extra happy to be a part of the show. So, yeah. thanks yeah, for coming. You gotta you gotta you gotta hold you him bet. up a little higher. I'm trying to find the camera here. My screen's backwards, but yeah. So that's Jack Miller. He's a Australian carpet python. He's only like a couple months old. You're saying carpet? A, carpet. Yeah. So where does the carpet come from? Uh, you know, I'm not sure because like. I thought like they're ground dwelling. Right. And mm-hmm. honestly, this guy loves to climb stuff. So I don't know if he's just retarded or if <laughs> carpet was <laughs> misleading. <laughs> I think it's some of both. He's a little retarded. Honestly, I, I opened his cage out to let him out and he kept trying to go through the glass. And I was like, nah, dude, like it's, you know. it's open. You're good. There's a door. Uh, no offense to our Australian friends, but there's something special about all of you. <laughs> Well, well, that's because they're that? they're so used to being upside down, right? So when you open it on the top, he's just oh, it yeah. all makes sense yeah. now. It all makes <laughs> sense now. Yes, thank you. I never thought about that before. Uh, never thought about that before. Yeah, I think we're so, actually yeah. just trying to build enemies on the podcast. I think Honestly, actually you are. Yeah, Mister Old People Hater and Kawasaki Hater. Ooh. Don't think I didn't hear that. Yeah, <laughs> got a bone to pick, buddy. What's up with that? All right, go for it. Hit me with it. I got facts. I'll back anything up. Okay. Am I old? Where's your facts? Where's your proof? State your date of birth. Ten seven eighty six. Yeah, eighties. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Jesus, dude. Hey, hey, Cole. Can you cut him out? I think we're done with Easton now. <laughs> I'm not running the controller. <laughs> next time. Next time. Unfortunately oh, for you, I I have I have the controls. I mean, the only thing I can do is the old check engine thing. I can put a piece of tape over him, but that only helps me. Hey, how did that check engine light work out for you this weekend? Oh, sorry. Too soon. Are you bringing that up already? Are you bringing that up already? So I did order you. I ordered a tombstone. Me? No, not for you. Oh, oh, for the Beamer. Yeah. All right. Cole, tell us what happened this weekend. We're we're just going to roll into stuff, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? That's what we do. We don't so have hours to sit here and talk about Jack Miller. So, so how do you want this story? You want it like this? It was a it was a beautiful sunny, eighty degree day. More great start. Yeah, elaborate. Keep it going. A few white fluffy clouds floating <laughs> through the sky. the The smell of caterpillars moving dirt <laughs> in the background. Oh, those caterpillars. Okay. Uh, oh, are we, is Jack telling the story? Are we building a motocross track in our backyard or what? Yeah, which path uh, specifically? Yeah. Did, did dude, you I will that? say, yeah, so yeah, that is my favorite. Like all the other dudes during the five-week break of MotoGP, they're out like at the beach or hanging out with their friends at the bar or whatever. And Jack Miller's like, yeah, check out this backhoe I just bought. I'm like, <laughs> going to go build this sick track in my yard or whatever he's doing. I'm like, all right, that's what's up. I'm telling you, he's absolutely the personality of this sport. Like, that's the kind of personality that the sport needs. Like, I love that guy. And he's I an agree. amazing rider, very talented, obviously, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, would I pick him out of the crowd as my favorite rider without him being who he is? I don't know. I don't think so. I think I like Jack just because he's, he's, just, he's just real. He's raw. He tells it like he sees it, you know. And, like, he just well, loves let's, shit. Let's elaborate on that a little bit. So, if you were – if you had to pick any MotoGP rider to have like a mystery box, you don't know what bike they're going to ride. You don't know what brand. You don't know what bike. And they're going to show up at Otessa, Otessa, a race, a track that they've never ran on. 
and it's going to be raining or snowing, which guy are you picking? Current riders. Current riders. My boy. I'm, I'm taking Jack. He, I get yeah. the feeling that he might not be the cream of the crop, the most refined rider there is, but I get the feeling that you could shove him on any bike and he'd do pretty good. Only yeah, for argument's sake. I would be curious. I would like to do the same test with Bezeki there. He was, he honestly came to mind and like, I don't know, yeah. like we haven't seen as much of him on the top stage, you know, of course. And right. obviously he's only ridden the Ducati and MotoGP or whatever, but uh, I feel like that guy's kind of an animal too, you know? Yeah. It, when you said that, of course, Jack, to me, I'm like thinking, okay, like this guy, he's just, he's just super raw. I think he'd do it. But Bezeki totally agree that that dude's probably going to be a beast on anything we put him on. So not a bad point there. Forget about the rest of those guys. Cause nobody cares about any of them anyways. Let's just keep <laughs> Marquez and Bezeki or not Marquez. Sorry. Definitely nobody cares about him. Uh, huh. let's just, <laughs> uh, yeah, nobody, uh, 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 the only the few people that do care uh, about him won't if he keeps doing what he's doing yeah, yeah. i don't know Anymore. where are they at next austria. red bull ring austria oh. well if he doesn't pull a rabbit out of his ass for that one then you know we'll see poor guy yeah marquez speaking but nah, anyways I've written, I've written this season on. off on that aspect but let's talk about real racing utah sba ah yes Cole was just getting ready to tell us a story about how his weekend went. Yeah. Where, where were we? Caterpillars moving dirt? Caterpillars moving dirt in caterpillars the background. Entering your nostrils. Yeah. Oh, that <laughs> actually happened. I forgot. Yeah, that was going on. <laughs> so someone someone wasn't racing very much, and someone else was busy watching lines and riding. Well, that was a hit, huh? <laughs> that was really it. That uh, was a hit. I mean, you dude, blow the bottom out of in- one motor, and this is the crap you get. Oh, and there it is. There it is. Houston with the digs. Yeah, no more surprises. R.I.P. BMW. All of the, uh, what do you call them? Uh, Yeah, anyways. S1000 RRR. It's only two. Honda was the one. You broken. I broke it. I broke it. The bike is dead at the moment. Gone. I actually just unloaded it out of the trailer. Oof. Finally. I guess it's only Monday for us. Yeah. Okay. I was just gonna right. yeah. I was just gonna stick it I was just gonna leave it in the trailer as a and just, just put the tombstone on top of the trailer. Yeah. 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 Maybe. Buy a different trailer. Don't worry. I haven't well, even if got you never, that far. Yeah, if you never pull it out, then people are gonna be like, Oh man, what's that? You're like, Oh yeah, you know. She's too fast for this, you know. Yeah. Uh, this track's too small. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we said it. BMW made it through a track day. Made it through the first two races of the day. Completely. Um, was in a, I was in a heated battle. I was in one of the funnest confrontations on the track I've ever been in for a full seven laps. I mean, it started right from the get-go. Made it all the way to the start-finish line. On the cool-down lap, she decided to try singing a song that wasn't the normal song. But luckily, I was, yeah, I was, I was off the track before the, you know, the, what, the snare drum came in. Did you sorry. snare drum with a little bit of a uh, hi hat? Did, did ting, you ting, pull ting. off and then just like dump the bike and walk off? And when your team tried to talk to you, just give them the hand. You know, I don't. <laughs> I should have ghost rode it. This is terrible. How dare you give me such a bad bike? <laughs> yeah. Actually, he just pr'd. Yeah, right? yeah. You went. Uh-huh. You went faster again. What was what was your best time this weekend? 
143.3. So a whole second faster? Yep. Just about. Chipping yeah. away, man. There you go. Chipping. Yeah, I, and that was that was pretty early on, right? No. Oh. No. So so I had all these lofty goals. And mm-hmm. Friday, Friday, the track day, it, mm-hmm. you know, I come right out of the gate running consistently, you know, 145s, the occasional 144. But I just couldn't get it to drop below that PR level. Like you said, Anthony, as soon as the race came, as soon as the flag dropped, her last race with that Can part, we get a moment of silence? <laughs> just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, she ran. I, I looked at the numbers afterwards because I was trying to figure out how that other guy beat me. There were there were three 143s in there, so it wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't a fluke. It wasn't a fluke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You did 43s in both races, though, didn't you? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there you go. So new the new norm, no well, longer so what, PR. So what's the move, right? Everyone knows you're not – there's no way you're getting a Kawasaki because then you definitely wouldn't win any races. And You're talking – Wait, so Hold what's, on. Wait what's till next? we get to my side of the story. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> you uh, bum. So, uh, so Cole's got some options, right? I got a 2022 sitting on the shelf that hasn't hasn't seen the track. Um, that's I just something... ordered a I just ordered a number plate for that number 83. <laughs> that's what you said. <laughs> Is it like the magnet kind, so you can put it over top of mine? Yeah, yeah, no, it's like yeah, a magnet. It's like on a yeah, yeah, it's like a it's like you sticky probably, film for a window. You know, you probably put you probably put sugar in my tank so that you could. You had a plan. You're, You're right. Like, I I split the cases on your motor so that I can go in there and chip away at the transmission gears before you went and rode it, and I put it back together. <laughs> With the <laughs> actually, he just took a a tooth off. And then JB welded it. He's like, I've actually always yeah. wanted to know if this would work. So I actually yeah. sent Jack in there because he can fit down the oil fill. <laughs> and he went in there and he just licked the shit out of the transmission until it was you, worn out. You heard it here. It was Jack Miller wrecked your bike. <laughs> yeah. Jack Miller said, you know what? Screw those BMWs. That's our, that's our title this week. Jack Miller wreaks, wreaks habit on uh, Utah SPA. Cole's bike. Yeah. <laughs> so... So we got some interesting things, some decisions to make here, Mister Lugnut. Yeah, I know. I know. I've been keeping you in the loop a little bit, but the easy option is to fix the bike. Well, it's not the easy button, but I can fix the bike. The problem is we got USBA round four coming up in three weeks. Two weekends, three weeks. Yeah, no time to rest, eh? Yeah, that's going to be hard-pressed for a guy that doesn't have a Moto America team at his disposal. Wait a second. You were a one-man Moto America team, and we, we still need to talk about that later. Yeah, you, you but, are well, the that, that's America on team. the agenda. Okay, you could do that. All right. I, I can do one. that. I just wanted you to be here for it. So I didn't, well, I mean, that, yeah, let's go. That's why I didn't get into it. So, All right. So the option one, rebuild the motor. We don't have time to do that. Option two, take the 2022 off the shelf, get her race prepped, and at least run that round, right? until we can figure out what we're doing with the race bike. That second option for the listeners out there that are wondering how much that costs to actually go racing. Good point. As, as, a, as a guy that races, I didn't realize what that was going to cost until I started making the list. The list goes a little bit like this. We've got a 2022. It's got 1,300 miles on it. So it's as fresh as can be, ready to rock and roll. So this we is have stock to- exhaust and everything, right? It's a bone stock bike right now. 
No, that's I got an ace in a hole, baby. It's got Acropovic full titanium exhaust, and it's got a Bren okay. tune stage two on it already. Nice. So we All got right. no dead just spots. So the, in there. Just so the faithful listeners know exactly where we're where we're starting, right? Yeah. So T- tune and exhaust though, and what a. A double bubble windshield, windscreen. Yeah. Well, I've got all the sexy parts on it, right? Yeah, tail tidy and whatnot, but all the stuff that does right. nothing for me on the racetrack. Right. So it's basically your traditional street squid BMW. Got it. Yeah, BMW. Yeah, <laughs> BMW sucks. Street squid. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm not saying they suck. I'm just yeah. saying, like, you know, right. I, almost every bike on the street's got a pipe and a tune. Just about. I yeah. got your old Henri yeah. pants over here. He already says he's trying to start a fight with everybody. He thinks he's too far away to get reached. Proven. Yeah, uh, yeah. We so, answer that question. Probably. So anyway, anyway. Oh, so the yeah. so you take it. You you take that bike. That's a race bike, right? When you go to BMW to buy it, they say race bike. But then when you realize you want to take it out on the racetrack, you realize, hey, it's not geared right for the track. So we're gonna be doing some sprockets. Not a big deal. But this all things that start that up, right? We're gonna put race fairings on it. Well, for that particular BMW, I went with Alpha fairing kit and i got me a neat seat like yours coming nice i did find one for the newer bike but the tail the fairings the everything it all requires brackets which is not what i ran into on bikes in the past so i think that's a new thing like because my buddy's got the new uh pirate edition which mm -hmm. he's going to be at usba round four but all his fairings needed brackets and stuff i'm like what do you mean like you just don't bolt up to the bike it's kind of weird anyways Hmm. So side note, I bought the stuff from HHR mm-hmm. and that's hustle hard racing. Hustle hard racing was nice enough to, uh, they pride themselves on customer service and they were nice enough to, uh, send me an email almost immediately on a Sunday, no less. And let me know that I had forgot to order all the brackets. <laughs> hey, those so. are the type of guys you want. Those are like the actual, it's not just like, Hey, thanks for your order. It's like, Hey, thanks for your order. You messed up. Yeah. Could <laughs> you imagine need this? I promise. Maybe you already got it, you know, whatever. But if you don't, <laughs> you need this. Yeah. Yeah, could you imagine how pissed that any of us would be? Like, we're on a time crunch. We get our stuff just in the nick of time. We start drilling. We start mounting, and realize shit. There's nowhere to hang this thing from because I didn't order brackets, and nowhere did it say I needed brackets. Yeah, that yeah. is. The, I will say that's like the bonus of these uh, kind of smaller, smaller companies here in America, at least. That mm-hmm. everyone that runs these companies does what we do, right? To some yeah. degree. So, so they know the struggles. And yeah, right. Else. They've been yeah. there before. If you're ordering yeah. off Amazon or Revzilla or whatever, you're not going to get that email. You're not going to get that guy that's like, I have put fairings on BMW before, or I have made that mistake, or whatever it might be. Yeah. yeah. So we got that figured out, but then we got a radiator guard. We had to, I mean, some of these things you can fake your way through, right? But I, I ordered new number plates for it. I ordered a titanium bolt kit. So that's why I was asking how big your number plate was to see if it would cover mine. <laughs> And I'll leave it, the you edges can take it of off yours. between rounds. I'll leave the edges of yours. That way they know that I just borrowed it. <laughs> I don't need to claim it. I just I just want to ride the thing. Yeah. Or, I've never ridden one. I just want to ride it. That's all there is to it. You get it race prepped, and I might not be like, hey, stock 1,000 race at least. I'm going to go ride this. Thing. Yeah. So, I might not say no. I, I got I got a credit card, dude. I'm sponsored by American Express. It's all good. <laughs> like, if anything happens. Hey, that's my sponsor. <laughs> Hey, they love club racers. Yeah, crazy. (laughs) So you get this way too much money. Yeah, you get get this big pile of parts. You have to have, you know, the brake lever guard. You have to have some engine case guards. You have to have, you know, your all your safety wire, safety wire, bolt kit. Of course, you could drill them, but that's the one thing I wasn't worried about time crunch wise. You have to have a belly pan. Have to have a belly pan. 
do you have to have the upper fairings? So technically not, but like if you're talking about class rules, mm -hmm. uh, if your bike, I think most clubs you'd find somewhere in there that if your bike comes equipped with a windscreen, it's supposed to have, or they have homologation on the bodywork. So like, you know, in a stock 1000 class, for instance, uh, even at club racing level, you're not supposed to just run carbon fiber bodywork with 67 Ducati wings on your Kawasaki or BMW or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. So like you have to run the bike's supposed to model what it looked like off the showroom floor. Well, I'm just asking, right. Obviously like if you're building a race bike to race, yeah, mm -hmm. you're going to get full fairings for it. That's just going to be easier, right. cheaper, whatever down the line. But in your instance, like, could you have gotten away with, I'm only using this this weekend. I only need the bare minimum to meet standards. Could you have put a belly pan underneath and then taped up your lights? I don't think. Oh, with the street fairings. Mm -hmm. Is that yeah. what we were talking about? Yep. Oh, yeah. We've done that at CVMA. Like somebody okay. did their NRC and they didn't have race body work. We're like, you know what? Like, let's disable your lights. Let's tape them up really good. Put some numbers on there. Make sure you use a turkey basting pan as a belly pan. Like I've seen some wild stuff, you know, All right. but so, absolutely. Like so there's it, no requirement that says you need race body work. It just has to meet the safety specifications. Right. Okay. So, cause I think you're about to put a price out at some point here. So that price is if you're doing it the right way, but yeah, if you want a aluminum sheet pan underneath <laughs> zip tied up or whatever, lots of duct tape, then, uh, you're good to get good to do that. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. You get a one round exemption. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> if you do a good enough job with the duct tape. So yeah. just bring some rattle cannon. You know. So no, no. at, at know. the end of at the end of this whole parts list, I'm sure I forgot some things because I'm just and we've established that you know I could have duct taped my number on the front too. It doesn't necessarily have to be you know I want it to look fresh too. Got to look good to go fast, at least in true story. So yeah, yeah that's true. Story. The uh, the aluminum turkey basing pan would probably be bad on aerodynamics. Yeah, it'll cost you two seconds minimum. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so, I'm a, so I basically took this brand new bike. That's ready. To, that's a race bike again, and I'm throwing another fifty-two hundred dollars at it at this point. That's <coughs> so, a jixer, but so. that jixer wouldn't be race ready necessarily. I mean, you could maybe find a track prep bike for that kind of price. I mean, that's not honestly like when you think about it, like it's not terrible. And you got extra things like a dash protector, right? Like stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, it's that's not necessary, but those aren't cheap, man. Like the one on my bike, just that houses the dash on the bike, is like forty. 450 bucks or something like that from graves it, you know it's not cheap but and the different bikes are different i think on my cowie i think cowie <laughs> <laughs> i threw on some hot bodies you know uh, at one point in time and some case covers a brake lever guard and i drilled all my own holes mm -hmm. right you know i might have been into the thing for two grand so it wasn't it wasn't nearly as bad so the different yeah. bikes that, you know, and yeah, well, and especially you got, some, the, you got, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say the new ones, right? It, like all your post 2020 bikes. Yeah. More that's where, that's day. where that money really starts coming in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause like even the price of the bikes have gone up so substantially. Mm -hmm. I feel like the parts just kind of replicated it, but it, you know, you got some high quality stuff and there's nothing wrong with some of the product names that I mentioned, like GB racing is very high quality stuff, but it's not the most expensive, uh, hot bodies. It serves a purpose. I'm not a huge fan, but it serves a purpose. You That's know? what I've got on my track bike because it was the cheapest that was available. So, and seriously, on a track bike, you're just gonna—I mean, you're gonna crash it eventually, anyways. So, mm -hmm. like, put a put a you know twenty-five dollar rattle can paint job on the thing and go have fun. Yeah, yeah, or just but, leave, it, leave it primer like most people do. Absolutely, but if I had a 2022 BMW, you got—is yours an S or an M? It's an S. All right. 
either one, but if I had a brand new 2020 S or M 1000RR, if there's an extra one, I would definitely put the nicest stuff on it. You know, like I'd, I'd go get the carbon and body work or, you know, the alpha stuff or whatever. Like, why not? Like it's a brand new bike. It, this might be the one time that you spend the big money to have the nicest stuff on it because the first time it hits the ground, you're like, I ain't doing that again. Well, the other interesting part, that's what I was digging around for. You see this? It's, uh... Oh yeah. So I'm taking this on the airplane tomorrow because you have to have a, freaking what, what is poly- that? Not everyone watches. What is that? Oh, sorry. The owner's manual mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> for said 2022. So it's got all these race modes, right? On the bike. You were showing Anthony at the track. You were showing my wife the dash on your bike. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all the cool doohickeys and all the things that it can monitor. Yep. And when, when we got home, she's like, let's go look at that bike. I'm like, well, you never seen my bike. It's been sitting in the garage for two years. You know, she says, let's go look at that bike. And so we started <laughs> playing around with it and she says, well, what, what can this one do with this and this, you know? So I go to the sport dash and it's got, you know, I've got all those same sensors already mm-hmm. on that bike. So like brake pressure, clutch pressure, suspension movement, you know, it's got the electronic suspension and everything on it, but. Oh, so it'll tell you that with the, with the electronic yeah. suspension. Yeah. That's it's got those cool. same. I didn't know that. So, yeah. So it's got all that, but additionally, the reason I'm taking said book is because you got to be a computer engineer in order to, to run it, I think. It's because on, on motorcycles, there's only, only so much room, which I, I, I will say just real quick, BMW, they're like little whiz wheel or whatever they call it. One of the best I've ever seen because everyone else getting through the menu. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. That's yeah. pretty rad. Everyone else, you just have like two buttons and then you got to try and figure out how to get in, how to get it out, how to get all the way back out, how to adjust something like it's bikes are terrible. It's basically like a cheat code on a video game, right? Like you had to yeah. hit up 17 times while holding your breath and then down three times to get to <laughs> yeah. your trash control settings. Well, yeah. And like on my Aprilia, my rider mode is my start button. Oh, that's weird. So like while riding down the street, you just hit You're your start, the start button. button. Yeah. And it switches yeah. your riding mode. And it, it freaked me out the first time. Cause I just, I had no idea. And I was like, I don't, I don't see it anywhere on the other, you know, in the menu or anything. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't just like click on it and then change it. So I Googled it and I was like, Oh yeah, just hit the start button. I was like, no freaking way. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have to do it while it's running. Right. Cause if it's not running then, but you might, I guess you might be able to like turn the kill switch off and then do it to change it if it's not running. But anyway, yeah. That's yeah. the only, the only thing about the whiz wheel, as you call it, I think the whiz wheel is a great idea until you bust it off, which yeah. I mean, that's one of the first things that go when you put a bike down. Right. Yeah. So actually on the, <clears throat> excuse me, on the race bike builds, I think they like on the Cowie, I use the stock switches. You know, and we actually integrated them like, so the, uh, what do you call it? The pit limiter is tied into one of the buttons on the stock switches because you no longer really need any of that stuff anyways. But on the BMWs, cause I was, I, I've actually talked to somebody about building one, uh, cause I'm kind of kicking around ideas for what bike I'm doing next. You have to replace those. Like you get rid of them when you do the wire harness, the race wire harness. So when you use the alpha harness or whatever in the ECU, they get rid of those. You have to buy the, the pods with the little buttons on them and stuff like that. So they integrate well i guess all the traffic light buttons yeah exactly that's what i call them yeah when you look at a motor gp bike i'm like whoa yeah there's a lot of buttons (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know how they know because then they've also got the thumb brakes going on well they have the thumb brakes and then you have the squat devices and you got your you know all that stuff i was talking to somebody about the thumb brake and you know like for us if i was to add that to the bike that would take a little bit to learn you know Mm -hmm. like 
yeah, I'd probably feel pretty comfortable with it in less than a day's time, but I wouldn't go out on the first session and be like, cool, I'm a natural, right? But somebody I was talking to just added one to it and they're like, wow, it's pretty intuitive actually. You know, I'm sure because everything's been added over the years on a motor GP, GP bike kind of one at a time. I'm sure the guys have kind of adapted or whatever, but yeah. Right? So, so back to GP, oh, let me, let me real quick. Yeah. Note one from last week. I got to get this out. Uh, we were talking about how many people buy race tickets day of compared to beforehand, right? I did my research. Could not find that statistic, but I went through like seven or eight different web websites and whatnot. MotoGP, I think it was, this was on Reddit, just a thread I was reading, but MotoGP does not sell tickets at most venues at the gate. So if you're going to buy a day of, you at least have to like, you still have to get online to get that ticket and then you can go. Besides their overall being down, right overall attendance being down they didn't have a whole lot of info on like how many people buy tickets in advance but it seems like most people are buying them in advance not many people are waking up on a sunday and deciding that day to go down to motor gp race so anyway it makes sense though because you know like motor gp is an international sport most people are traveling to get there right, right. so yep yeah and I, I i had that thought too right i was like well for us it's in texas so unless you live in texas you gotta fly you're not gonna wake up and fly day of and then i was like well even over in europe though they do it per country right it's not every state where you could you're gonna have one in your state it's like in your, you in your country a once bit. a year so yeah so i think that just kind of lends itself to say that most people aren't buying day of but well i'm i'm glad you got your research done and everything but that was pretty random right in the center of my bmw story so yeah <laughs> Let's go back to that, all right? Are we are we going all the way back to the caterpillars? No, not not, not that, that far, far back. <laughs> yeah. So we're still we're still on option two. Oh, so we're, we're going pretty far. Oh, back. that's a long option. Well, <laughs> it's it's Easton's fault, but so we pulled the trigger on option two. Those parts are coming. That plan is in play. But I started looking at lead times and things like that, and we're. 10 to 14 days out on a lot of those items before shipment. So if it takes another six days to ship, I'm going to miss the window and I don't want to miss the window. So I started jumping back into other options, shopping for used bikes, right? The reason I wanted to bring that up is uh, that bike I shared with you earlier. <laughs> Easton knows this story. I am so blessed, Anthony. You met my wife. Mm -hmm. uh, so me and Easton were on the phone earlier today and I was complaining about something and she says, why don't you just go buy an M1000? <laughs> I said, yeah, we, okay. We were talking about like, so I was like, well, I mean, realistically, the chances of you just liking the 2022 more, I don't, I don't know, but I got to imagine Honestly, they're pretty high. It's, oh, right. I've never, I haven't ridden one of the older generation BMWs, but I can tell you right now that like, from what I understand, you'll probably sell the bike after you finish the 22. That's what, I, that's kind of what I was getting at is I was like, you're going to hop out on that and then you're going to be or like, or it'll sit, or it'll sit in the trailer so that this doesn't happen to me again. No, yeah, that works yeah, too. Right. You know, then at least you have something to ride, right? Until the wife tells you to buy an M1000RR, and then now you have your 22S1000 as your B bike. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. but looking at option three, the reason I wanted to bring it up is when you start. Up an M1000. No big deal. Yeah. Whatever. Sure. I can do that. Yeah. That's what she said. It made my eyes big too when she did. But, okay. So, let's go. <laughs> You got the keys. <laughs> so the interesting thing I ran into today, though, in looking at that is you think I, I had myself completely convinced you forget every once in a while in life, you got to look back at how far you've come. Everybody needs to for all kinds of different reasons. But my BMW, the one that broke, it's just an old beater bike, whatever. Right. But when you really start thinking about it. So I find this first gen BMW. That's the that's the easy button, right? 
I just go grab that thing. I throw all my parts on that one and boom, we're good to go. At least for this next one, right? That's that's the easy button for sure. When I started really looking, so the particular one I was looking at is a high mileage, pristine, well taken care of bone stock bike. Fine, right? Until you start thinking, oh, it's still got a catalytic converter. That means the belly pan that I have won't fit over it. Won't fit, yeah. So I got to yank that exhaust off. I have an exhaust, great, right? If I throw that exhaust on there, I'm really going to be popping all weekend, you know? Yeah, without a tune. So now, you, now you got to switch to ECU. Yeah. So now I got to switch that, but... I'm telling just, you, it's going to be easier just to swap the motors. <laughs> I'm. You're right. No, it you're is. Right. It's, it's not that hard. So anyway, there's three options on the table. I'm sure we'll talk about it. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. I think uh, having that third option available, like which one comes available first, is good. And then lug nuts also offered you to race at Kawasaki if you need to. So. I know, and I that. appreciate that, but I don't think I can. Yeah, you know. Can't know. handle the beast. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> oh, it, it, it's that's only partially true. <laughs> Dude, she's oh. wild, man. I mean, I, I'd love to drive it, but I think I would have. I would have much rather taken it out for a session on a track day. Well, we can arrange that too. Just went and I'll enjoyed. Let, it. I'll let you take it for a spin. Yeah. yeah you think you'll make absolutely. You think you make the Friday on the next USBA? There's a potential for that, yeah. So I got a, I've actually got a host of more friends coming up. So we're gonna be our pit that was. It was fun, by the way, this time. Like telling yeah, you, a friend of mine, and then you were pitted with us instead of way out in New Mexico somewhere like last time. And of course, Ty and Rainey and Braxton and Justin and so yeah, Richard came. So it was cool, man. The pit, the pit was uh, was cool, but. Next time I've got a couple more guys coming from Vegas. And then, what was I thinking? Oh, yeah, a few more guys coming from Vegas. So I think I might actually do the Friday, even though September is a bit of a crazy month for me because we're trying to do another Moto America round the weekend after that. So, but yeah, this weekend was great, man. Like, I was cool to see you guys PR. You and Tony were kind of like on the same level, you know, as far as pace was concerned. Uh, he's no slouch, so... I think that was fun for both of you guys to like have somebody to bounce stuff off with that was seeing it at the same pace, you know? Yeah, agreed. Um, I had a good time running around with him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it looked like it, and you know, it was cool. It's cool. Like I love this stuff, man. So you guys, cool if I just kind of dive into the USBA stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We said in our first podcast together, we do this again after the USBA round, and we got one more round, so you get to see Lug Nuts' ugly face maybe one more time on here. Oh, so oh, dude. I, you better stay in Georgia or wherever the hell you're at back there right now. I don't even know where I am. Don't, it's good. don't even bring, don't even bring your ass to Arizona. Actually, I don't, I know I've heard it before, but Carolina. That's fine. No, I'm, you know, we'll just leave it a mystery. Cool. Where's he at? I'll give you his address. I'm texting it to you now. I just need to stay. leave it to the I viewers. Got friends, I got friends everywhere. Okay. Drop a comment. Who knows where Easton lives? Yeah, put it below. Put it below. See who's right. If you think you know, put it below. I've said it before plenty of times. The first oh. person that drops a comment on YouTube and says exactly where Easton lives, what state, gets a free JK Moto shirt. Yeah, I'll, just, I'll pay just for state. it. <laughs> yeah, just state. Please don't put my address. Like, if you know my address, you're not. Address, email, phone number. I want it all for that free shirt. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. My mother's maiden name, you know. First street you like, lived on or whatever. I don't care. Yeah, all of it. Anyways, enough with the old jokes. Friday, I actually made it to the track for the first time. I never usually do track days there. So that was kind of neat. Um, I got to ride with Chris Musley from Crossbeam Builders. I've been trying to do that for a long time. We finally got out and did some sessions. And honestly, it was good for me because on Friday evening, the USBA had asked me to do a track walk 
uh, like as a representative representative of the club. I thought that was pretty rad. Like, what do you think, Cole? There that was, was awesome. People. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. So what? It, um, what is a track walk? Besides, so, obviously, you're going to go walk around a racetrack, but yeah. For our viewers that might not be into racing necessarily or ever been to a racing event. Yeah. So to each their own, right? Like, and everybody would approach it differently, I think, which was kind of cool how it all shook down, which we can go into more detail. But a track walk is basically like, yes, we're going to walk the track, but we're looking at different things. We're looking at, we're looking at lines. We're looking at like different markers, right? Because like, you can't just go around a track and hold the throttle wide open and, you know, hope that you're going to make that next turn. Maybe you got to hit the brakes, but where are you going to hit the brakes? Because the further that... You can go into the corner on the throttle before you hit the brakes and still make the corner on the right line, the faster your lap times are going to be, right? So ideally, it's just to go out there and do a little bit of homework and kind of brush up on some things around the track. So that's your that's your track walk. Uh, okay. In this case, it was also a social thing, you know, like the club racing. We've talked about it before about the family and about getting involved and stuff like that. But the club racing thing in the scene is just a, a big family, you know, was, there's 50 people out there, all with common interests that all were either i think all of us are trying to get better every time we ride the bikes but at the same time it was just cool to spend two hours away from racing the bikes away from working on the bikes away from instagrams and everything else and like we just walked around and we chopped it up and we talked about riding techniques and we talked about line choices and i'm not saying i know everything because they asked me to host a track walk and I think they did that more so because of my personality than my skill level but luckily i kind of have an idea about how to get around that track yeah kind of you know, so you know a little bit you know yeah. hold on a minute a couple things i don't want this to go to your head but i will say that you did a very good job on the track walk you did better than i anticipated i know you weren't there easton but he did a really good job breaking down the corners answering questions and you just went right to it i thought it was very informative i get to spend a lot of time with you and a lot of the people spend less so mm-hmm. I kind of stood back a little bit and spent my time with, you know, your nemesis, Ty, there. <laughs> you got to be able to beat me to be my nemesis. Oof. Ooh. No, that's not true. Nemesis don't you, always I'm win. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, he's he's my main motivator, man. You can't let your homie beat you in a race. You that's guys true. are insane. Yeah. <laughs> Easton, I'm over there helping Anthony get his tire warmers off, right? Mm-hmm. To go out for whatever round. Right. And and right. here's Ty over here. Anthony! Anthony! And I'm like, I look over there and he's just flipping him off, right? And they're flipping each other off. And and Let's just I know Anthony never hello. heard most of it right. because yeah. Anthony was all tied up in this uh, track walk and doing very great, informative, whatever. And I was standing back with Ty for a lot of it. And the whole time he's just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Talking shit. That one corner, yeah. he said, I do this corner better than you. I'll take this part of the class. Oh, yeah. He was talking about the Ds. What a turd. He did it one time in one race better than me. Actually, he gets around there pretty good. So I made an adjustment this round, though, and it showed. That's for sure. Right. It's all, dude, it's, you got to have that kind of fun, right? So, like, I, I was telling somebody else about it. But, dude, the track walk was literally just talking a bunch of shit about each other and our friends and in, in a fun way. Like, yeah. Absolutely. You know, working on the lines. And honestly, I was nervous. I'm glad to hear that it came out really well because it like. Came out, came out great. Yeah. I, I'm a humble dude, you know, like I know my place, like I've said before on our last podcast, you know, and I don't know everything. And actually some points were brought up that I was like, man, I haven't really thought about that before, you know? And so it was actually informative and helpful for me as well. And overall, it was just, 
it was just fun and it was a cool experience for everybody. And and the best part for me, honestly, is I've had at least 10 people come back to me after that and be like, man, I dropped two seconds off my PR. Or, hey, I got on the podium today for the first time. I did this one thing that you said to do and I did it a little bit differently. Like I did it like you were saying, and I went faster than I've ever been before, whatever it was. But I've had a ton of people keep reaching back out to me about it. And I'm like, wow, that's so rad. It's pretty cool, you know? Yeah, yeah, and nice I'm a little bit on the you're... fence. I'm a little bit on the fence on that part because I don't need you telling everybody the secrets. <laughs> Can't make everyone run Man. equal, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, no, but they're then... not, right? Because we're going to keep working on it too. Like people always ask me, like I, for a while, I was the, and I'm not the fastest guy, but I had the fastest lap of a video that you can find pr probably on Chuck Walla. I don't think there's a whole lot of them out there that might be faster than mine, if any. Also, High Plains Raceway, Definitely, you. Well, no, Shane Turpin has a video on USBA or Utah West. But they're like, "Why would you post this video so everybody can see it and do what you're doing?" And I'm like, "Well, they can see it, but they still got to do it, and then right. they got to beat me. And if they beat me, then I have to find a way to go faster. It's okay. Like, yeah. I love that. Like, I I want that. I want somebody to push me. I'm all about it. And Cole, like, you're not getting the easy button. We'll keep we'll keep working on things for you too. But like, hey. We all, we all got to get better, man. Everybody's got to get better. We got to push each other. That's what it's all about. I'm committed. I threw out three options. I ain't messing around. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're committed. You're already moving on two out of three options. I see it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah so the track, the track walk was awesome, man. And uh, So, one thing that really came home, this is just silly, I know, but on that track walk, so that's not the first time I've walked a track. First time I've walked one with you, you know, going through – the motions or whatever, but it's just crazy. My wife walked with, with us mm -hmm. and you know, you, you go back and you tell people that don't race. You're like, man, when I'm going through this corner, my hair's on fire. Like I, I'm going to die any second. And when you're walking at a mile an hour out there, you're like, look at all this room. You've got all yeah, this dude. room. What's your problem? It's mm -hmm. so different, man. It is so different. Like it's, it's actually hard to explain some things without going and walking them. Right. Like, you know, I, I brought up in a couple corners about like where we're trying to turn in and where we're trying to apex or be closest to the curbing. And, uh, the whole idea about when you turn in too early, you either have to overslow the corner or you'll run wide. I think we get it. Cause we've talked about it all. We, we go out there and do it, you know, whatever, but Maybe somebody doesn't get it. And really that's a hard picture to paint exactly how it works until you go stand on the track. You go stand on the track and you stand in one spot and you're like, look into that corner. Yep. Where are you going if you turn in right now, right? And you're mm -hmm. pointing straight off into the woods. But if you move 20 feet further up the track and you look into the corner, it's like, wow, I can I can already see my exit. You know, it's like, yeah. So, you know, yep. where you want to turn in from then. It's very helpful to some people. To me, honestly, the track walks sometimes kind of scare me. There's like, there's like cracks in certain tracks or, you know, there's weird, there's weird stuff sometimes. And you're like, man, at 160, I don't actually see that. So. Yeah. This is true. Or you see, you see something you did see, right? Like you saw, I don't remember where it was, but we went and walked one. It might've been Utah. Like there's this clear line across the track and you see it every time you go over it. No big deal. It's whatever you think it's like a sidewalk classic line cut. Then you go walk it, and it's a two inches thick. Yeah, the whole literally like the cut marks. Yeah, yeah. right. It's yeah. this big old huge chunk just not there, and you're like, uh, huh. yeah. I just yeah. been riding over like that. A, like, who cares? Right. It looks like a pencil mark on the ground when you yeah. go past it on the bike. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
So there's advantages and disadvantages of track walks. And here's the other thing too. I've done track walks at some new tracks this year when I was at Alabama and Atlanta. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go walk this track and see what's going on. And then you go on it the next morning and you're doing like 160 miles an hour in that spot. It does not look the same. Like, you know, it is what you thought you were going to do when you walked it without having ever ridden it, you realize like, no, that's not actually going to happen. So I think it's pretty beneficial that we did a track walk and pretty much everybody, I think everybody that was on the track walk with us there in Utah had been there before. It was educated conversation. You know, like everybody's like, oh yeah, like I messed this corner up or I could be better in this corner, you know? So there was some really good, some really good points that were brought up. And again, like I said, my favorite parts were the fact that it was a social hour, right? So I got to hang out with everybody and talk to everybody. Like, People that, you know, Cole, you and I, Easton, we talk a lot, you know, but these guys, like I see him at pass, I'm like, hey, and I got to chop it up with these guys. And it's kind of, it's kind of neat. New racers for me when I was new, you know, I remember guys like Bradley Ward, which you guys, I might've talked about this before, but you guys don't remember the name, maybe do. Uh, but he would come around. I was like, dude, that guy is wicked fast. And he would just come hang out and see how my day was going at the racetrack, you know, and it meant a lot to me. And mm-hmm. it's really busy at the racetrack, especially with one day racing. And I don't ride Fridays usually. So I'm just in and out and doing my thing. It was really cool for me. So yeah, that was a great way to kickstart the the, the USBA round three weekend. Sweet. And then right into the, the real deal, right? Right. And, Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. So we got bikes prepped and everything Friday night after the track walk. We ate some Applebee's, which was a good time. Yeah. A group of us went over to Applebee's and then, uh, Hit the hay for the night. I overslept Friday by a couple hours. Cole tried to wake me up. Didn't work. Uh, showed up real late. So Just for the record, I, I didn't have. I I had to walk over to his room and try to wake him up. I didn't have to roll over to wake him up. Just I just want to specify. Okay, I wasn't going there, hey. but all right. Hey. Well, that's what you made it sound like. <laughs> hey, uh, never mind. We're not even going down that. It wasn't. Right? It wasn't a yeah. push. It was a knock on the. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a kiss on the cheek for sure, but, (laughs) uh, uh, yeah. So anyways, uh, woke up Friday a little late. So Cole texted me at like six something Saturday. He's like, Hey, get up. All right. Yeah, I'm up. I'm awake. So this time I was up on time, rolled out to the track, tire warmers on practice starts at eight. We did our little riders meeting and stuff like that. I was first out for practice. And so I think last round I qualified with the 130.8, I think is what it was. At Utah West. Yeah, I think that's right. In the first session of the day, I hit a 130.8. Kind of as a warm up, and I was like, dude, this is great. You know, I'd recently Mm -hmm. fixed something on. And the anticipation started to build, not only for Anthony, but for the other people in the pits. Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. Dinner. Yeah. Yeah. The season's not over yet, bud. We'll get to that. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm I'm disappointed. I'm getting to that. Uh, So, yeah, like. Honestly, at that point, like everybody's like, oh man, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? Right, Cole? Like it was just one of those things, like it's the talk of the town because apparently nobody's done what I'm looking to do, which is a 29. And I'm sure there's somebody out there that could do it if they showed up and they haven't showed up, so they didn't do it. But um, it hasn't been done in a long time. It's been like six years or something since uh, 129s and ran that. I come back in. I didn't even put on new tires. I was like, dude, the bike feels good. We're That's pretty good for qualifying, whatever. I'm just going to go put in some laps. So I went out for the next session and I think it went 132 as I came like on my first lap, getting through some traffic or whatever. And then passing people went 130.6, four, two, three. 
So 130.2, but consistently in the low 130s, which mm-hmm. usually for me, I'll, I'll knock a couple off and then be in the low 31s. So to take a jump and be more consistently in the 30s was a big deal, right? And so, of course, mm-hmm. I'm stoked. I'm like, dang, 130.2, like I am right there. I mean, can you, all you guys imagine like two tenths, tenths of yeah. a second over, <laughs> over two and a half miles, right? Like that was super cool and equally as frustrating. I was like, dude, so close, two tenths of a second. So that was the joke of the weekend because I never went any faster. I, mm. I got close to that time, but I never went any faster. So 130.2, cause as soon as the track heated up, oh, go ahead, sorry. I, I was just gonna say that's the best, that was in the best conditions of the day. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because as soon as the track heated up, like I could tell you the grip went away, the setup changed on the motorcycle, which I didn't jump on top of that quick enough. So this is cool because you're like, Easton, you're, you're, you're pretty savvy. You're pretty smart, right? Like I, I know you are. Mm. I'm not asking you. Just imagine this. Like I found out this round that as the ambient temperature was heating up, that my forks were losing compression dampening because the fork oil viscosity just changing due to ambient mm-hmm. temperature. Right. You, you with me? <laughs> yeah. I'm following. You, yeah. Because you guys had asked me in the last podcast about small changes and whether mm-hmm. or not it makes a difference. Right. 20 degrees of ambient temperature made a difference to where like my lap times in the next couple of races, like I was able to click a couple high thirties, but it was low 31s. Yep. And luckily, like I, I'm consistent enough that I won my races. So the open super stock was my morning race. I won that one. Uh, we went into KOM and Gennaro, a little shout out to my buddy Gennaro. Um, he runs really well up there in Utah. He kept me honest for the first couple of laps, right? Cool. It was like three laps. He was pretty close. And yep. then from there, I just, I was able to keep the consistency and ship away. I think I won, I ended up winning by like nine seconds in the end or something, but my lap times really didn't change. I kept the same laps the whole race where other folks were falling off, but I didn't really, I was working on a different problem with the bike. We were chasing some rear shock pumping issues and some front chatter issues, which Fuzzy from Fuzzy Moto helped me get sorted to the best of our ability, given, you know, the fact that I need to make a change that I just couldn't make at the track. But we started to talk about the, how the bike had changed throughout the day and how it was affecting how I could ride the bike. Usually I use a little bit of throttle to steer with the rear to get the bike to kind of like point towards my exit and then I can really give it the gas. Well, I was losing rear grip because of the heat. The track was greasy. And as a result, like I had to get the bike to turn better on like entry and mid corner so I can get off with the the forks feeling softer in the afternoon than in the evening. What we ended up doing was adding a little bit of compression. And I know this is a long story, but I literally just added two clicks of compression to the front fork dampening, right? To like give it a little bit more support. And went out in the last race of the day and... I just put my head down. I was like, "Hey, I'm going to do three heaters and see where I'm at." Cole's already shaking his head because, like, <laughs> dude, all of a sudden it was low 30s again, lap after lap after lap, you know. And I was like, "Dang," you know. And I, I made one small mistake, and I was like, "Eh, that's good," you know. I'm done for the day because I just the track was pretty greasy, and there was no sense in crashing the bike trying to do a 129. You know, I have next round to do it. Crazy that one little change and a little change up here, you know, a little confidence in it too. But bam, right back to those lap times, running consistently a second faster than I did in KOM, which is arguably the most important race of the weekend. That race that, was a slaughter, so I, I, was, I was gone. That that race, Easton, mm-hmm. he just comes out, we're watching live timing, mm-hmm. and it's like 130.8, 130.6, 130.5. You know, it's going the right way. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I was up in the bleachers. I was going, this is the one. It's got to do it now because the tire is going to start going away. Yeah. <laughs> and like you said, he was, I mean, so far ahead at that point. And then mm-hmm. it clicked back to 131s. And I said, yeah, I, I turned it. I turned it off. Like, I think I went into a corner and like the front end slid on me as I was on entry. And I was like, dad, you know, it's not like at that moment. I'm like, bro, I'm, I knew what I had an idea what the guys behind me were running. And I was like, dude, I'm like 10 seconds clear right now. There's no reason, you know? Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. But you know, there was a reason there is, but you said I, you'll do I anything for a dollar. Yeah, that's true. I that's did, true. but I have another opportunity. So that's, that's so. the key. You got to start giving them like round by round bets if you really want them to do something. Otherwise, please, they'll put it off. Please, everybody, just no, 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 no. <laughs> hey, no, 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 no. Trust me. Out of out of your five dollars and everybody else and everything else, like there's actually a lot of pressure on this. Like a lot. Like <laughs> ask Cole. Dude, there's a there's a lot of people. They're like, are you gonna do it today? Are you doing well, it mean, today? With no, all of day, our man, like, all day after like oh. after he hit the that point two, mm-hmm. it was a. It was a caravan of people coming through our pit. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. Like How just feeling. <laughs> that puts a lot of pressure, honestly. Yeah. You know, like, I believe and I'm it. like well, that's just because we have so many listeners, right? Everyone listened and heard you say you wanted to do it. It was so. all from the JK Moto podcast. The yeah. people that listen have come up. Yeah. And if you're not listening, then you're missing out on, you know, incredible feats like a 129 at USBA, UMC West. So yeah, you don't even know. Yeah. It's coming. <laughs> I have faith. Dude, I do too, man. And honestly, like when I pulled off in the morning uh, in the qualifying session, I was like, dude, I should have, I should have went for another one because I knew that when that track heats up, it doesn't have a grip that it used to. And that's why it's such a big deal. Cause like the track has changed so much over the years without having been resurfaced or anything like that. Like it's not the same track that it used to be 10 years ago or however long ago it was. So a quick uh, technical question, right? You said two mm-hmm. clicks of uh, dampening, I believe, right? Yeah. Sorry. Um, no, you're damping good. damping yeah not dampening damping. i don't know how you say that word correctly either so no worries <laughs> anyway i'm not a suspension guy right but hey, I do why are you, right. you're like almost defending him i'm trying to take the hits where i can don't come oh, to his right. rescue you you idiot do i need to mention that you've had many more year years on earth to figure out how to say that word correctly than i have Damn. really plug after plug <laughs> that's where you're gonna hey, go i just <laughs> wanted to add a note before your suspension question mm-hmm the Cowie won KOM yeah, yeah, yeah. and every other race he was entered in. So I don't want to hear your shit anymore about Kawasaki's. And when I wanted to know something that had to do with damping, I had to go find the D letter in the encyclopedia and then look it up. I didn't you're have just, Google in the palm of my hand. You yeah, guys, you're just dating yourself now. Like, why would you do that to yourself? It's, it's just the truth. Also, you did not go look things up in an encyclopedia. I have a set of encyclopedias right there. And when was the last time you pulled one out? Right now. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. Ask your question. Yeah, I do this every day. Ask question. Uh, anyway. The new book of knowledge. Yeah, how this old was, is that? This was my generation's Google. That's what's stupid about encyclopedias, too, is you have to get a new set every year if you want up-to-date information. True. Hey, but You're, that anyway. was great. Okay, yes. All right. Sus- suspension, right? So I've always had in my head... Like, I'm not a good enough rider to feel changes like that, right? And put that aside. That's not necessarily where this is going. But now knowing that, right, you having done some Moto America, you're racing with USBA, CVMA, and privateering a little bit. Is that, like, something where you might end up building a chart? Like a degree ambient chart for how much I need to change? Or, like, how are are you going to take that info you learned this weekend? 
and move forward and apply that? That's a, that's a great question because I actually thought about that quite a bit on my own, but I take notes, right? So like when me mm-hmm. and Cole were at Brainerd, which again, we haven't talked much about, you know, we'll, we'll touch on it. I don't need to talk too much about it, but we're at Brainerd. Like I have a note from all my settings for that weekend. Cause it'll be a year before I'm back there again, you know? Right. And by that time I have an old man's brain and I'll forget. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. I, uh, young people actually just forget instantly instantly so. right we remember for a little while like, what do you want jack what <laughs> he's trying to tell me something so <laughs> so he, you know he he's loves got, me he said, he's got the suspension yeah, he's got the suspension <laughs> answers he's got the answers for the suspensions <laughs> so <laughs> anyways before i forget what we were talking about honestly like to be straight to the point what i think i'm gonna do like for usba next round like right now, when I pull my bike out, because I haven't unloaded it, I'm going to take those two clicks that I added at the end of the day back out because the bike felt amazing in the beginning of the day, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take those two clicks back out to where I started because I think the plan is now, every time I go out on track, as the tr- day heats up because it gets hotter and the track temperature gets hotter, like all the way throughout the day, I'll just add one click or maybe every other time, right? So mm-hmm. I just know that as the day goes on that I'm going to lose a little bit of that dampening, damping, Damping. Force. There's no ending. It's damp. Damp. It's wet outside. Yeah. It's, it's getting wetter. It's getting wetter. <laughs> so here's so, here's my real question. I mean, did I answer it though? Like, like yes, yes. No, I'm definitely yeah. gonna make those changes from now on. Yeah, I just um, you know, the notes moving forward to Brainerd, that makes sense. Uh I think the biggest how do I word this? Where was I even at? Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah, I told old. you we forget like really quick, right? Oh. You guys remember for a while, we actually just forget instantly. But no, isn't that point kind of of doing the track day the day the day before? Can right? be. Would be right? to go out and test yourself at different times of the day, different temperatures, figure out where it feels good, right? So you should realistically, I think, right in a perfect world, club racer, you go out to Friday track day and at least once a session you're running like right at or near your personal best. The bike just feels great, right? And it's then not right down those, easy, but yeah, yeah, I, I understand that, right? But perfect day—that's that's what it would be. But perfect realistically, day. you're going out, you're testing, you're saying, "Hey, this felt great." Next session, you go out and you're like, "Well, it's ten degrees hotter. Bike didn't feel great. Let me adjust, right?" And then you could write that down and be like, "Well, okay, it was blah blah blah." Now, whether or not a club racer really needs to do that, I don't know. And before, I would have said no freaking way. But now, talking to you, I'm kind of like, maybe you know, maybe that's the next step. Maybe that's how you up your game. Just one one little bit further is being that guy that does go do the crazy stuff that most of us are like no it's way beyond you know leave the moto gp experts to do stuff like that we're just gonna ride i think a lot of people don't understand the implication of the changes on what it does for them on the motorcycle right and so that becomes hard so Mm -hmm. even club racers like i talked to a lot of club racers about it and i'm no suspension genius like i have i have a genius who's I'm lucky enough to call a friend and, and a brother, right? His name's Fuzzy, Mike Castro. But you know, if I hit the guy up, he always makes the time of day for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have somebody that I can reach out to. You know, if somebody comes to me and they're talking about it, all I have to offer them is like the information that I have experienced. So if Fuzzy says, make this compression adjustment, and I'm like, oh, wow, like it doesn't dive in the corner as soon as I hit the brake so much. And then real realistically, what the difference was is I felt more confident to like tip into the corner on the brakes and get like and trail brake deeper into the corner to get the thing to actually turn instead of running a little bit wide because when right. it's down on the nose, right? So not only do you need to know what type of change to make, 
you would also need to know like how it's going to apply to you and, and, and like where you're, and you also need to be able to communicate where you're actually struggling. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people will go out there and just run a lap time and be like, Hey man, like I'm a, I'm a half a second slow. I don't even know what's going on. You know, me and fuzzy again, we talk a lot and sometimes we don't make a change. Maybe he just tells me you're not riding hard enough. You know, yeah. you're not just up go faster, bud. <laughs> seriously. Like, or, or he'll tell me like, are you smiling? Are you having fun? Cause if you're not, you need to go have fun before we talk about changing the bike. Mm-hmm. You know, because is you that can't the same? Go like, around making... Don't ever go to bed angry. Is that the kind same? The like, same don't, ever, don't ever make suspension adjustments angry. Well, <laughs> yeah, because here's right. why. Because when you're happy, you're having fun, you're going mm-hmm. fast. Now the changes you made are irrelevant. You know, like it, it's you, you stiffen the bike up and now it's too damn stiff because you're riding like an ass hat earlier. All that stuff comes into account. And I think that's why a lot of people really don't go down that rabbit hole. Is because you either don't know or you don't have the resource. Now, right. can can it make a difference? I think you know was really the question. Like, can you go test and make some changes and make the difference? Absolutely. You know, I am not the best motorcycle racer to ever walk the earth by any means, right? I've gotten to a point where I'm on I'm on the sharper end of the sword for the places that I'm going most of the time, or at least half the time, we'll say. So yeah, those little changes make a difference, or like you know, little increments. Like we're talking now. I'm chasing two tenths of a second. Right. Cole just picked up a whole second on his PR. And I was lucky that I picked up four tenths on my PR. <laughs> That's a big chunk when you're at the sharper end of the sword, right? Yeah. And so on the sharper end of the sword, that one or two clicks of compression are also a pretty big a change. Big, yeah. Big, big difference in a relative. Right. Yep. Right. Or we well, talked about tire pressure last time we were on here. You know, that two clicks is equivalent to a pound of pressure where it could be multiple pounds of pressure that somebody else would have no idea they're like yeah oh you changed my tire pressure wow i had no idea the the, the thing little things are the are, are really important and i tell people too like as people start to get faster you know on the motorcycles and racing or whatever like cole you're gonna get to that point where it's like dude it's it's something so small that it becomes your hurdle it's just the little things make the biggest difference i mean for me 131s to 130s you know we're talking five tenths to a full second a lap was two clicks of compression. Well, one thing I'll tell you, Easton, is so I'm no speed demon at this point, but considerably faster than I was in recent history. Mm-hmm. And some of those questions we asked Anthony last time he was on here uh, regarding if he could feel those changes, I feel like I'm definitely to a point. In the past, I could run a tire until there was wires sticking out of it. And never noticed. I don't know if I cared, right? Right. But now I'm feeling it in a round. <laughs> yeah. Like literally I'm feeling what we we see in Anthony's times or anybody else that's running those higher speeds. But mm-hmm. I'm feeling it personally now where now this tire is starting to move around. I don't want this tire anymore. Give me a new tire. Right. You know, I did those two rounds back to back and I was like, just get through this one. I can't wait to throw a new tire on this thing. Yeah. And that was before she shelled her nuts, but. so we actually had a on saturday we missed you cole uh so a couple things we went and did tacos with josh fisher which you guys did a youtube video with him uh so if you guys listening haven't checked that out it's pretty rad they talk about tech uh when it comes to race tech and somewhere uh i think some track day tech yeah like there's Mm -hmm. a somewhere around here there will be um (laughs) (laughs) so yeah but anyways we went to josh fisher's house the tech guy uh also badass racer of his own regard 
Uh, we did tacos and stuff like that, but we ended up having a conversation with somebody who owns a motorcycle and they didn't really like understand the differences between track day and race riding. And they're like, man, but I got to buy those tires that you have and that you guys use and you're switching your tires all the time. And we're like, no, like you're going to go out there and ride all day and then ride your bike home and ride all month on the same tires. It's not the mm -hmm. same thing as what we're doing. Right. So like right. for your track day folks out there, you know, we talk about some of these things and do you need to do it? No. Do you want to do it? Should you have somebody adjust your suspension or make sure you got some good tires on the bike? Absolutely. But you know, you don't like, we're talking about changing tires multiple times in a day because it's costing us a half a second a lap. And then I can tell you that it don't freaking matter if you're out there riding track day and having a good time. Like you can, if you're half a second slower, who cares? Like just have fun, go ride with your buddies or whatever, you know, but for us, we live our lives a 10th of a second or half of a second at a time sometimes. So, you know, <laughs> Again, more tires, more tires, baby. I live my life a quarter second at a time, or a quarter mile at a time. Quarter mile at a time, yeah. I think you yeah. do too. There's a little bit of a cross reference there for sure, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like uh, you know, I'm I I literally the entire way home. And I think this came up on the last podcast too. But the entire way home, I was like, damn, what do I got to do? Where is it to make yeah. sure I go two tenths faster next round? because it's absolutely going to happen or I'll be flying Easton and Cole to my house in Vegas to rebuild my motorcycle. Cause I tried too hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I didn't yeah. get to think about those things on the way home this time. I was just thinking about how I get back. Yeah, dude, that was, so I wanted to bring that up too, man. And I, I hope Dustin or chase like eventually listen to this, but you know, Dustin Lance is, uh, an amazing person of the sport. Like he sponsors the USBA uh, with Utah motorcycle law. He sponsored me personally and helped me do some stuff with my racing career. He's just an awesome dude. He loves this stuff. He loves motorcycles. He loves riding street track, whatever it, uh, chase and Ethan, his boys are awesome. Unfortunately, we do this thing that people consider dangerous and motorcycle racing. Right. And right. if you don't know, you may not understand where this is going. So hang tight. So all day long, we're out there zooming around a racetrack, doing 160 miles an hour, top speeds, and you know, laying and down on our knees and our elbows. And every time I show somebody a picture of what I do, they say I'm crazy, right? Crazy. It's right there. These guys, all day long, were doing this with us, Dustin and Chase. And they packed up at the end of the day on Saturday, just like the rest of us. They headed home, just like the rest of us, or just like you guys that went and watched your movie or went bowling or whatever it is you do on a Saturday afternoon with your free time. They made it a half of a mile from the racetrack and some idiot running a red uh, stop sign at 80 miles an hour took them out. Luckily, everybody lived. They weren't sure about that with the guy who ran the stop sign, but it flipped the truck over, it flipped the trailer over, the people in the car that ran their stop sign got life flighted. Dustin and Chase ended up in the hospital, you know. And at the end of the day, like, I just want to say, we love you guys. You guys are great for the sport. I'm really sorry this happened, and we hope you get well soon and come back racing with us because they will be. But I don't want to hear any more crap about these people talking about how motorcycle riding and racing is so damn dangerous anymore because, you know, I'll be honest with you, I'm more afraid driving around the streets of Las Vegas doing my job on a daily basis than I am out there riding a motorcycle. You know, we this is a pretty dang safe sport if you think all things considered, you know. So agreed. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Get on a racetrack. Yeah. Can we absolutely can we uh lighten the mood a little bit and talk about the no, 100%, I'm sorry. Pitbull oh, no, trailer? 
restraints? Yes. Oh, yeah. That can happen. <laughs> Is that what you want to just, talk about? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I so I saw so we all, some oh, pictures of the wreck on uh, Instagram. Yeah. Right. And yeah. No, condolences out. Hope you guys make it back soon. Hope everyone's got a good recovery. We said that if you don't have a Pitbull trailer restraint system for your bike, you should highly consider getting one. Uh, I don't yeah, know if you heard you heard correctly, yeah. but 80 mile an hour stop sign run flipped the trailer over, right? We're talking like a 20 to 24 foot enclosed trailer got flipped over, not just like right there, but onto the edge of the road and then on its like upside down. The motorcycle was hanging by its back wheel still in the Pitbull trailer restraint system. Even like laterally once we flipped the trailer over. So I went out there and I'm pulling up a picture. I'm going to kind of like hold it up to the camera so you can see it. Gotcha. But um actually there it is so this is a picture of the trailer i know it's hard to see his glares or whatever there you go that's the trailer upside down yeah that that uh n looking thing that's supposed to be a u and an m and then an l yeah so that thing's upside down you can see the trailer tires up in the air they'd already rolled the truck over because the truck had rolled over too right so Mm -hmm. that's upside down now these pitbull restraint systems that you're talking about this one so when you look at this picture, there's two guys standing in the foreground of the picture. They're standing on the ground. They're not standing on the sidewall of the trailer. The bottom of the trailer is like perpendicular to the ground. And here's the motorcycle for the most part undamaged. I don't know if you can see that, but there's two guys in that motorcycle just sticking straight out in the middle of the air attached to that TRS system. Ultimately that bike right there was fairly unscathed. Like it had some scratches and stuff, but I personally would have taken that thing and just looked it over real quick and then took it out on the racetrack. Hey, Ran a 129? Yeah. Except for it's a piano. That's a different story. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, pirate bikes, pianos, and yeah. So, bro- yeah. And broken transmissions, broken yeah. trannies. Since can't we're say that making... anymore as a PC. <laughs> you, you know what else was in that trailer, Easton? No. Did you and notice? Really? Did you notice one of those bikes did not have the pit bull restraints? I didn't actually. No, I think the only picture I saw was with the one bike in there. I think it was the Cowie, the ZX4RR that didn't have. Ooh. He's got one of the only ones, dude. That okay. thing is rad, by the way. That thing is. I so want cool. one. I, I didn't even get a chance one. to ride it, but like just listening to it and knowing it's a little 400, I was like, "Ooh, that's cool." <laughs> I've been telling so, anyone that like is a little deeper into the world and you know talking about smaller bikes i'm like keep an eye out ninja 400 rr i'm not a cowie guy but it does look pretty sweet it's a it's a sweet idea like why no one's done that yet baffles me honestly i think uh i don't know about the european configurations but i know they have bikes that we don't that are smaller displacement they do some wild stuff you know what i mean Mm-hmm. But I think it's pretty cool that we got it here. The only problem with this bike is going to be that Cowie's the only one that makes it again. The Cowie 400, as far as a race class, if you're yeah. running a junior cup bike or an ultra lightweight bike, like if you don't have the Cowie 400, unless you're Rossi Moore on the KTM 390, shout out for the big win at, at Brainerd. We got to hang out with him a little bit. Yeah. But uh, like everybody else is on a Ninja 400 and you can't ride the R3s to keep up with that thing or whatever, you know, like you need the 400. So now that this thing comes around, like, dude, that's going to be a whole debacle for club racing. Cause like where, or even, even Moto America or whatever, like where are you going to fit that bike into the, into the puzzle? You know, like you're going to make everybody who races little bikes go buy one. Yeah, great for Cali. Which, yeah. Great, that, great for Cali. Great, uh, 
marketing strategy. Yeah, to the top. Oh. But yeah, so that was in there and then the Aprilia was in there and two R6s were in there and a bunch of gear and everything like that. So talking about track family, it was like 8.30 by the time we were allowed to go there and check it out. There was uh, close to a dozen people that showed up and we unloaded everything out of the wreck trailer. The police officers did a great job and uh, first responders and everything. We thank them very much for you know their service, but um, they helped us safely because it actually was a precarious situation. Um, they helped us safely get the bikes out and get everything loaded up into uh, Trevor of the weekend garage for you Utah guys. Uh, show some love. He came back and helped us by loading everything up into his personal trailer and, and storing it for Dustin in case until they were able to collect it and start putting things back together. But man, what a, what an ordeal! Like, you know, on the drop of a hat, everybody was there to help with this. And and you know, to the TRS things, the bikes weren't that bad. You know, like naturally, the worst thing was just the injuries to the passengers of both vehicles. And again, you know, I hope you guys heal up well and, and safe and drive safe out there, folks. Like, you think yeah, motor racing motorcycle, please. Yeah, stop for stop signs. Try not speeding so much and, you know, stop giving the motorcycle hellions a hard time. Give me one minute. See ya. Are you serious again? I mean, we're an hour and 26 minutes into this thing. Maybe don't timestamp that because we might edit some of the stuff out. But yeah, so <laughs> he's like, I got a tinkle or something probably. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's because he's drinking that whole mom mug. The whole mom mug. I know I'm dying up there, so I could use a drink. Jack, go get me a drink. <laughs> I what got my that? homework. Oh, that a boy. I seen the smart water earlier. That's my go-to. So, good work. I don't know. I've got to unload the bikes tonight. Still, I haven't unloaded the motorcycles yet. So, I've got to unload the bikes, and I've got to make room in the garage, and we got to fix the ZX6, which I have a new gas tank and some fresh goodies for over here. And then I got to wipe the old zx10r off and get her ready for the next shindig and uh use the trailer for a work related deal tomorrow so i got a lot of work cut out for me later tonight still but i the point was is homework i was sore from this weekend because i you know started working out again and everything else <laughs> and then this weekend and but i'm not gonna stop man i'm gonna go for a little run out here in the sweltering hellish heat of vegas and uh get a little workout in after that and we're gonna eat some dinner here soon, so yeah. Good. I'm gonna yeah. get a, I'm gonna get a nice walk from my car to the airport tomorrow. So I'll call that. Where you headed? Connecticut. Ah, we got family back there. Yeah, I haven't been in years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna go back there this. Uh, not fall. the UP. Not the UP. No, but the UP is coming up next. I think. Right. We'll touch on that at least before we go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, I was going to go back there this fall, but then my brother who he lives in Rhode Island. So I hardly get to see him. He's coming out here in September. Um, so he's coming out here in September. Uh, so I'm not going back to the East coast, but next year I'll go back to the East coast. Yeah. I keep hoping that like maybe we'll race Pittsburgh or New Jersey with the stock 1000 class. Something that gets really close to the family there so they can come out and watch it, you know, right. Cause it's always, it's always cool having family, Would you had family come out bummer. But it was cool that your your family and friends came out this weekend. So, so we we love that, guys. Like, support your friends, support your families. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's like to this club racing level. I don't know if you know, but I don't. I don't think it costs anything to go spectate. So we've said on here before that it's a it's a great event for spectators, whether you're mm -hmm. 
know somebody that's racing or not, they should come out and mm -hmm. at least watch some of the bigger classes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the King of the Mountain race, like super worth so, it. I mean, if you take Anthony out of the picture, because he's just not even in it, really, honestly, so far ahead. But uh, beyond that. <laughs> hey, this time I got a good start. So, yeah, I'll, like, but Gennaro was also right on my butt. So it was a good, it was an interesting, at least few, first few laps. Yeah. So Troy, the gentleman that was there with me. Yeah. Yeah. So we were sitting up there watching one of those races and he was looking around. You see, he likes to ask questions. Yeah. He, he was looking around and he said, how come they don't charge for this? <laughs> right. For real. That's and yeah, and I'll be honest with you, like I'm on the I, I'm on the position of charging people to come see it, right? And and I'll tell you why. And it's a selfish reason why, kind of. It's it's because I love the sport. And I love seeing the people come out. So like if if charging them meant they didn't come out, then I would say don't charge them. Right. But if you're willing to show up to support, you know, and like and you can fill up your car with 17 people and we charge you ten dollars a car. To come in right uh you can see all the u-haul vans coming in i would fine. argue that i would argue but, that if you were charging money you may get more people because they they'd advertise like, oh wow you have to pay for this it must be that cool right yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so but seriously like but then you take that money and you turn around and you give it back to the sport you know you give you support the racers you know you throw up a little purse money for the amateur racer who's there on takeoffs but really should be on new tires like maybe that could help them out that weekend i've always thought that that was a cool idea you know and so some tracks like cvma i think it's 10 bucks ahead to get in and if i have family come out i usually try to like pay for it or something in advance or sometimes they, my family has surprised me and just showed up knowing i, I was work, uh, racing i didn't have a chance but you know whatever but yeah i think for like 10 bucks a person or something like that even that is still worth it like troy said like why don't they charge for this you know and UMC was a little bit like Brainerd was when we were there a couple of weeks ago this weekend because they were doing some stuff with like building the infield track with the caterpillars and fluffy clouds and stuff. And then <laughs> they also had some drift car stuff going on, right? So some of your family actually got free rides in drift cars or something, didn't they? Yeah, I was calling them hitchhikers. They had yeah, <laughs> they had like a. I'm, li I'm listening. I'm grabbing a drink. Yeah, like go a... go go road racing association was there mm -hmm. uh, doing like uh what what do they call that autocross yeah okay yep so it was a timed event but and it was, was a competition where what they did is they had a they had a table full of like white helmets mm -hmm. and if you went and signed a waiver you could get a helmet and then they allowed you to walk through the pits i mean you've got corvettes there was some cobra replicas there was teslas there was Subarus, a Ford Focuses, everything you can imagine out there. And if you had the white helmet, you could walk in the pits and try to convince somebody to give you a ride. That's how they were working that. Hmm. Did that Camaro with the broken broken seatbelt? Hmm. Yeah. That thing sounded awesome, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a, uh. a throaty V8 just sliding around. Wah, wah, wah. I was like, dude, that is cool. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were watching one of the races later on and uh, and listening into that. I was like, dude, that's so rad. Cars scare me, though, guys. Obviously, car crashes and hospitals and stuff. But, yeah, it was cool. There was a lot going on. So that was the point, right? Like, yep. like, come out to the racetrack. There's always something else happening. Like, 
you know, and again, like even, you know, again at Brainerd and then back here, like you had some conversations with some random people that were asking questions about what was going on and how the racing works. And you got some old man coming to a track day now. And, you know, it's cool. Like interacting, like it's, it's just a fun day. And plus like a little sunshine goes a long way. So you would know about that where you're from. Uh, yeah, I stay inside (laughs) as much as possible. Actually, I get too much sunshine. I've been seeing videos. Been seeing videos of trucks with uh, like mud mud tires, and they don't have much tire left anymore down near your area with Dude. the temperatures you've been seeing lately. Yeah, just, it's like, like 110. Just, the tire like leaves, but half of it's still like in between the tire and the road. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, warm. So warm days. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's been terrible. So what about some Brainerd talk, huh? Well, what well, about what do you want to share with Brainerd? I told you, you, you told me, and I'm going to put, I'm going to throw you under the bus here, you know, to your listeners, because you withheld information. We went to Brainerd and I told Cole, because he, he was gracious enough to fly out and, and help me with the weekend because man, it's a lot of work to do by yourself, especially those pro rounds. So it was really fun. Dude. We had a great time. I think it was, it was really awesome. I know you could tell by the way, uh, Cole was talking about it last round and I know he talked to you while we were there, Easton, and it was mm-hmm. super cool, man. And you, and you were at Atlanta, so you've seen a lot of this. You know, that's where we got to meet up for the first time. So yeah. it's really cool to share that experience or whatever. I'm glad Cole got a chance to go do this with us. But, dude, it's a good time. Like, uh, it was a new track for me, you know, so just get the personal stuff, the racing out of the way. And then I want to talk about some other things about it. It was a new track, and I love the track. Brainerd gets some flack, but there was only one, two turns that were kind of iffy. You know, the carousel was not iffy. It was just, like, kind of weird. It just didn't fit the rest of the flow for the rest of the track. Uh, and then you had for safety purposes, they have this really aggressive chicane just out of the carousel. And I can tell you it's really aggressive because in my first practice of the day, I missed it 10 out of 12 times. <laughs> and, and you can, and Cole can verify for how serious missing the chicane conversation was with the writers meeting. Yeah. Uh, but, that, um, that was, a, if I remember right, that's added in after like a kind of cone style going on there. Yeah, and it's become more of a permanent fixture. It is okay. added in after, but it's kind of a permanent fixture. It's kind of weird how it went out. And they got one going for Pittsburgh uh, for the, this weekend, or yeah, this coming weekend's mm-hmm. Moto America event. They ha- they have to run it with bites because otherwise, there's the wall that you're going straight into wide open. Something happens, you know, it could be bad. So yeah. uh, there was an incident at Brainerd last year. So a recipe, Scott Briotti, but they made a small change to the track this year, and including also adding some more air fencing uh to make sure that didn't happen and that was a freak thing like there's there's when i walked the track and i looked at what happened there i was like dude how did that even happen like you know poor guy you know it was just a completely freak accident again the track was it was phenomenal and they're doing great things to keep it safe you know which is great for the sport and everything like that but i had a really good time with the track the only thing i didn't have a good time with is i do suffer from arm pump so Uh, yes yeah that track yeah you want to talk about that no i just all right. I all hear right. it all the time. Yeah. Uh, Do you I don't know what it I've is? I, I'm assuming mostly forearm slash just mm-hmm. when you're heavy braking and then heavy acceleration. How much? That's that's a big part of it. But, a lot, you know, a lot of it comes from other things, too. Like, for me, it's like the, the angle I create in my wrist, right? Like from, mm-hmm. And so on tracks, right handed tracks you know like mm-hmm. Brainerd where there's primarily right hand corners it affects me a lot more than for say like at Utah where we're going counterclockwise right yep 
counterclockwise. So, yep. um, you know, Brainerd was a tough one for me. There is some heavy braking and, you know, you don't really get time to rest because even the straightaways are turns like turn one <laughs> is like wide open and mm-hmm. uh, you're on a need 150 miles an hour or whatever. So there's not really any time to give your arm a break. So unfortunately for me, when it came to racing, uh, the first half of the races, like qualifying was, it was okay. I went faster. I ended up starting like 16th or something, but I think in both races, I ended up as far forward as 12th or 11th. So I was making my way forward and, uh, you know, it was very exciting and everything, but man, when that arm pump creeps in, at least for me, it causes so much pain and like a lack of movement and strength that pulling the brake lever gets hard, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it really, it really gets hard to like run the same pace. Right. It really gets hard to battle with people and stuff like that. So really, especially on Sunday after fighting it all weekend and every day, it's kind of getting worse because it just never has a chance to like recover by Sunday afternoon. I was toast. I was like, you know, I made it up to 11th in the race and I it's lost one, lost another one. You know, we got some points. So that's cool. Right. But, you know, at the, in the back of my mind, Cole and I both know from what we saw that we could have finished further up and it's kind of, it's a little bit disappointing, but at the same time, like it was, it was very fun. So some other notes about Brainerd, like we walked around in the pits and, you know, we got to see all kinds of people. We got to talk to all kinds of fans, you know, and he talked about some of the extracurricular activities that were going on, mm-hmm. you know, Ma- kids, maple syrup kids were, and all the, yeah. Absolutely. I smell maple syrup as soon as you said that. That's very weird. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, kids are walking by and, you know, they plop them on the bike and they get to take pictures and stuff like that. So, like, it was really cool. After the race on Sunday, because Stock 1000, usually the race is early on Sunday, we Mm -hmm. actually had an opportunity to enjoy the rest of the day, watch some races and stuff like that. So he he told you about that. We went out and watched some superbike races. My buddy, Corey Alexander, had a rough weekend, and I feel mm-hmm. really bad, man. And I hope he makes up for it here at Pittsburgh because I idolize that guy. He's super cool, super fast, current uh, Stock 1000 champion from last year, bumped up his super bike. He wanted up a bike pretty good in practice or qualifying or something. And uh, in turn one, high, like just low-sided, simple low-side, but it's 150 miles an hour, so the bike got demolished, you know. Right. Uh, so in race two, Superbike, he was actually making a push because yep. they had to work on the bike and they got some stuff sorted. And so he's coming back through, running a great race and just lost the front. And we just so happened to be like right there when it happened. You know, it was it was really close to the end of the race. So we watched the end of the race. PJ Jacobson, as you guys talked about, took the win. Super stoked for that guy because he had a great weekend and rode his ass off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we're in the truck and we're, we're making our way back. And uh, we kind of laughed about it later, but like, like, you know, I know Corey, so from CV Main stuff, and I look over and I'm like, hey, Corey, you need a ride because he's standing there. And, like, the last thing you want to do is wait all day for the crash truck when you crash yeah. and go in and take that ride of shame, you know. Uh, I call it that, you know, no no bashing. It happens to all of us. But uh, so I'm like, Corey, you need a ride? He's like, yeah. So we, we threw Corey Alexander in the back of the truck and we towed him <laughs> back to the paddock or whatever, dude. So we're hanging out with Corey and he's like, don't make any crashing jokes or anything, you know, that's a yeah, sensitive yeah, time keep period, it easy. But, yeah. yeah, but I mean, he was, you know, like he actually got out, he had us get out cause he wanted to go to the podium cause he knows PJ one. Right. So amongst mm. all that, like we chit chatted and stuff, he was cool, cordial, whatever, but we dropped him off at the podium so he can go congratulate his teammate. Right. Like the kind of guy Corey is, he's just, he's an awesome guy, but it's, you know, talking about going to Moto America rounds or going to races, you know, like that was a pretty cool experience. I think, you know, like, 
it was a real bummer for Corey, but like we got to help him out a little bit and you know, it just, it was something for us to remember too. It just yep. goes to show other things that you can see and do and experience on a race weekend, whether it's club racing or, you know, motor America round. So if you haven't been, get your ass out there and go support. Yeah. Right. But we've been kind of long, so I didn't want to talk too much about Brainerd, but that's kind of it in a nutshell. I'm looking forward to going back there next year. Like, like Cole said, the, uh, the event itself was phenomenal. Like it was a great time. The track was great. Uh, you know, I want better results, which just means I'm hungry to do it again. So, mm-hmm. so, uh, I mean, it sounds like you're planning on that next year. Do you have any others that you're planning on doing so, privateering for this year? Ain't over I, yet. Well, yeah, that's... it ain't over yet. Correct. So this year, uh, I don't know how the hell I'm going to do all this stuff, but I got USBA one weekend, Coda for Moto America for the last round of stock 1000, which again, I've never been to, which is why I'm going to it. Doing that the weekend after. So the second weekend of September. And then the third weekend of September, we got a wedding for my boy Ty that we've talked about already mm-hmm. uh, and rainy. So uh, busy September, but yeah, we're doing that. And then I haven't let this cat out of the bag yet, but you guys. Ooh. Drum roll. Exclusive. Exclusive. Yeah. There's going to be multiple exclusivity that we can release on this show. And this is the first one. Um, okay. Drum roll has ended because I kept talking, but <laughs> we're going to try to do a full season next year. Sock 1000, like legit get out there with our own bikes, our own programs. We've got some data. We've seen the tracks, right? Like let's just see what an old man can do out there. So uh, yeah, right. next year, full season stock 1000. Now there's other news to come along with that and that'll roll out slowly, but you're here to hear first check out privateer industries to support because it's going to be a privateer based and uh you know promoted team so it'll be not just myself but a few privateers uh going to do a full round or season of moto america so sweet yeah i'll have the that'll also be down privateerindustries.com i believe not yet. So just Not at yet. for Instagram. So if you could go yeah. give it a follow at privateer industries, um, privateer dot industries technically on Instagram, but I haven't done much promoting with that or whatever. Like the last thing I want to do is be like, Hey, you know, like give us money or whatever for us to go racing. But like, there's actually gonna be some really cool product that we're coming out with. Uh, you know, it's really lifestyle. Like the product will speak for itself, but you know, a lot of us do this for the passion. We spend a lot of money. We spend a lot of time away from our families I mean, this is the first time I've been home thanks to work and racing, but this is the first time I've been home in 12 days or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we, we make a lot of sacrifices for this sport and what we do. And there's a lot of passion and there's a heart and there's a certain type of individual that is really just an amazing human being that does this right. Privateer industries at the root is a lifestyle brand, but it's also literally a privateer race team. And next year will be privateer industries first go at uh nationals racing as a full season and as a team i like it i look forward to oh, seeing yeah. what you can do and we'll put our help where we can thank you thank you absolutely that'll be sweet so oh yeah to kind of wrap things up my second look up if you will or uh Notes. thing that i needed to check on you yeah, note note two from last what week. letter do i need <laughs> d this is just, this is just whether uh it's also a little bit of advertisement, I guess, maybe. I'm not going to call it that for sure, but Track Day Massacre, October 27th, 28th, 29th. Yep, not under the lights. Unfortunately. The Track Day riding will happen during the day. But 
there will there be activities going on at night. So there will be lights, I think, for those events. Jack or maybe not, because it's Halloween. There. Yeah. Jack Miller said he's going to be there. So, well, yeah, he'll be nearby. <laughs> Join Jack Miller at the track day massacre. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of spooky, right? Some people don't like these little creepy crawlies, but it's Halloween. Yeah. I, you can't call them crawlers. <laughs> they don't have feet. Well, what do you call it? A snake. Snaking? Yeah. Don't they like slither or whatever? Slither. There you go. I All right. We have devolved. We have devolved. Are you done with <laughs> your advertisements? We have to have something on every podcast that is absolutely not motorcycle related, right? I promised. I, you we, know what? We're holding I, the gardening away this time, but but it is Jack Miller. <laughs> yeah, right. Miller. yeah. So it is. Yeah, it is motorcycle related. So it is. Get out of here. But yeah, um, won't be under the lights, but it'll be a great time. Three days, three different layouts, one track, one location. Arizona Podium Club, Casa Ground. Get there. Jack Miller will be there. We'll see you there. Hell yeah! Perfect. We out. Yeah. Thanks for watching. So long from Jack Miller and the (laughs) Lugnut. Thank you, boys. Great seeing you guys. Talk to you soon.